Hey there, my name is Matt. I'm the pastor of worship in the arts here at All Souls. And in case you haven't noticed, it is birthday time up in here. September 19th, 2004, All Souls gathered for its first worship service over at the convention center. So this is 15 years for us. And on one level, that sounds really young. This is our quince añera. It's the year we get to drive a car under responsible adult supervision. And it might be the year we finally make it onto the JV cheer squad. But it's also 15 years as a community of believers, 15 years as a church in downtown Knoxville. And that is a long and epic history of marriages and births and deaths and welcomes and goodbyes, prayers and questions, griefs and joys, and weaving in and out of all that history has been this steady thread of God's faithfulness that has carried us and held us together. So every year we take a moment and we pause and we remember, we baptize and we feast and we sort of collectively sigh and say, chalk up another whole year of God's faithfulness and another whole year that he has sustained this particular group of his people called All Souls Church. So this 15th birthday comes with two specific invitations and the first one is to this Sunday, September 22nd, 5 p.m. in the square room, regular worship service. We're going to use that whole time really as a time to give thanks and to look back and remember and reflect on our history and where we've come from. Uh, and who we are, and hopefully where we're going, and to kind of pray into all of that, to thank God for all that he's brought us through, and to ask him for help as we move forward. The second invitation is the following week, September 29th. We will not be worshiping in the square room, as we usually do. We will be at the Kanzler YMCA for baptisms, and at Caswell Park for potluck picnicking, feasting, and being together. So come out 4:15 September 29th. So with baptism on our radar, it seemed like a really great opportunity for us to sit down and have a conversation around baptism, why we do it, what it means, how we do it, who it's for, the goodness of all of us showing up to celebrate baptism together. So let's talk baptism. Happy birthday, all souls. Happy 15 years. Doug. Thank you. And as we get started, I guess I guess the first question that we'll try to tackle, the first question people might ask is why why should someone be baptized? Mm-hmm. I think it's good to go back and ask these questions. I was thinking about a story I read in college back when the, the Iron Curtain hadn't fallen yet and the Soviet Empire was still uh, a, a big deal. Uh, and there was a communist party in America that would recruit people for their cause. And one of the things they did immediately was they, uh, if you were interested in being a communist, you had to go stand on the street corner and pass out brochures. And uh, the idea was, was a way that, that this would sort of solidify your commitment to this movement to kind of identify publicly with this this community. And obviously Christianity is a lot different than um, communism, but I think uh, psychologically and even spiritually there's a similar role here is that we are saying something when we get baptized. We are saying we identify with the 
death and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ and with the people who are trying to live by his his name. So uh, I think that's part of it is is there's something good spiritually that comes when we choose publicly to identify as a Christian. I actually think something goes on in the spirit realm. I don't want to get too spooky about it, but I had a friend who grew up in Africa and um, sometimes uh, even, well, this sounds freaky, but demonic manifestation would happen when someone was coming out of a certain kind of religion and into the church, and it would happen in the baptismal waters. (laughs) And uh, I don't think that will happen here, but I think it's a picture that we really are going from one kingdom into another and baptize, baptism is a is a sign of that, is a is a is a symbol of that. I I think too we are living in a, an age that is um, kind of has the illusion of community, the illusion of connection, and not that all connection on Facebook is an illusion. Some of it's very meaningful, but it, it's not really deep, true uh, human connection. And one of the things that as people who worship a God who lives in community uh, celebrate is that we are part of a community. We're, we're not saved just isolated. We're saved into the family of God. First Corinthians uh, talks a lot about that in chapter 12. And so I think this is a way of identifying with a particular people, with a particular community, with those that are going to help us grow in faith. I think it's a remarkably countercultural act. I think it's a prophetic act. It's a it's a a, a, a screed against consumerism and self centeredism and kind of a sense of I'm making my own choices. I don't belong to anybody. I'll go wherever I want to go. I think if we're serious about spiritual growth, this idea of just kind of randomly bopping around from church to church or podcast to podcast is ultimately not healthy. I, I think we need to commit to a, a community and all their warts and all their problems and all their goofy uncles and grumpy preachers and all of that and hang in there through thick and thin and conflict and be a family. And I think that's where true growth comes. So I think all of that is happening when we are baptized. So I guess another another question we could ask and another Another thought might be, is this sort of, is this a tradition? Is this just something that, that at some point some people decided to do as a, just as a symbol of something within mm-hmm. the church? Um, how, do, how do we trace back the beginnings of this and, and why, why would we use words like sacrament? Um, why would it show up in the creeds? Why would it be something that's so central? Mm. Well, I I think it is because it's something that Jesus himself uh, commanded the church to do, Um, Matthew 28, 18. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. Behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age." So our Lord expressly um, commanded baptism, and then you see the early church uh, practicing it. Acts 2.38, Peter said to them, this was after he preached at Pentecost and 3,000 were saved. 
Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and if you go through the book of Acts, you see that this is something that happens when people come to faith, and then Paul picks it up in some of his epistles, and the early church was clearly a part of uh, coming to faith and spiritual formation. So, yeah, this is a, not a non-essential. This is a really, really a, a heart of what it means to be a follower of Christ. So this is this has been a practice of the church since hmm. the very beginning, and it's come down to us. And there are lots of different thoughts about the specifics around it. But as far as as all souls goes, who who would we say should receive baptism? Who are the people that should think about it? What kinds of people? What what ages of people? Who is baptism for? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That was one of the questions we wrestled with early on when All Souls was planted. And of course, we've we've always believed in consensual orthodoxy. This idea that we we affirm the the creed as sort of the uh, the essence of the gospel, and then we encourage believers to live under the authority of all of Scripture. But in areas that are outside of the creed, we understand that good Christians can can disagree, and we can uh, learn from one another. Um, clearly, this is an area where good Christians disagree. Um, roughly about half the church believes in what's called believer's baptism, that uh, people should be baptized after they've made a profession of faith. And there's really good biblical evidence for that. As a matter of fact, you just see often in Acts the, the, the preacher saying, uh, believe and be baptized, and you see that pattern worked out. The other half of the church uh, believes in infant baptism, this idea that a child can be baptized by his um, uh, parents or his family and then profess faith later. And there's scriptural evidence for that. Two particularly, there's uh, one in Acts 2 where it talks about the uh, believe in your whole household will be saved. And uh, the early church, uh, many of the writers believe that was referring to children that uh, were baptized and were part of that whole household coming to faith. And then the idea that in the Old Covenant there was the symbol of circumcision, where the parents marked the child as a child of the covenant. Paul calls baptism the circumcision of the New Covenant. And so the idea is, is that when a parents baptize a child, they're marking them as a child of the covenant, and they have to profess their faith later. So we realized real quickly we could like split our whole church by taking a side, but I think one of the beautiful parts of All Souls is we understand good Christians can disagree. So we leave this up to the individual family and individual to, to decide. So uh, who who should be baptized, especially as we're thinking about this fall? Uh, I think definitely anybody who has uh, chosen to follow Christ. And um, we do infant baptisms in Easter, and that would be for any family that that looks to scriptures and uh, feels like, yeah, I think this is something I want to do. I personally see infant baptism as um, saying to the family of God, I need your help. To me, that's the essence of, of infant baptism. So I don't think there is an age per se. I think it's kind of, if you, if you have a child, it's up between your mom and dad and figuring out 
you know, whether they kind of get what they're doing. But I certainly don't think you have to be doubt-free or, or feel like you can affirm everything and every doctrinal statement everywhere. I think it's very simple. Uh, I really do think what you're saying is, uh, I can't do life alone. I believe in God. I believe Jesus came as a representative of God. Uh, I believe his death on the cross saved me from my sins, reunited me to God, and uh, I want to follow him. And I think that's what you're saying in baptism. And if that's sort of the posture of your heart, I'd really encourage you to get baptized. And so with that, I guess, as we think about what happens in baptism, there's there's also a lot of questions and a lot of sometimes just confusion around the way that baptism and salvation are related. But what what actually do you think that relationship is between baptism and salvation, and mm. how do you walk that line? Yeah. It's interesting. Obviously, I've been thinking about that question for almost 40 years, and at this point, it, it almost seems like the wrong question. <laughs> it strikes me as a very kind of modern kind of masculine, um, empirical, okay, what's happening here? And, of course, there were centuries where the church killed each other over just exactly what was happening here. And ultimately, we're talking about God and faith and mystery. I don't think we can prove what's happening here. Um, this, And again, I'd go back to, I think what's happening here is a soul is surrendering the knee to Christ and publicly declaring it. I think that's a very big part of it. But there are also a number of scriptures that suggest that maybe more than just that is happening. There's a, a couple of places in scripture, uh, and if anybody's interested, uh, email me and I can get you a, a whole page of scriptures to look up. But that, that it, it says things like baptism now saves you or believe and be baptized. It kind of links belief and baptism together. Um, and and I, to me, the most powerful verse on baptism is in Romans, where it talks about we've been baptized into Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, uh, that we've joined him, that we're united with him in some way. And uh, I know some would say that is purely symbolic. Some would say that you're literally saved by the waters of baptism. Good Christians have fought over that for, for many, many years. And again, at All Souls, we have a variety of beliefs consistent with consensual orthodoxy. Personally, I don't think the, the act of baptism saves a person. There's too many texts that talk about salvation independently of that. But I also don't think that it's just a symbol, that it's just kind of something we do to say, hey, I'm in. I, I think there's a mystery there. And uh, I've just looked in the eyes of too many people when they come up from the water. I, I think something is happening there. And in the book of Acts, there's this interesting sort of packaging. A couple things go together. Repentance, uh, the forgiveness of sins, baptism, and uh, the reception of the Spirit. So there's also uh, a, some kind of a unique relationship between this act of faith and a filling or an empowerment or an endowment of the Spirit. And on, on the birthday party, we always pray for the filling of the Spirit for, for someone after they've been baptized. So I think it's a very holy, 
um, mysterious and powerful event. I think it's much more than a symbol, even if it's not salvific. Yeah. And I think in both in both sacraments, in baptism and in Eucharist, God has promised to meet us in these things that are really ordinary and really material. There's no one on earth that, that doesn't know what it's like to need to get washed, to get in some water and get washed. There's no one who, where that's a foreign reality. So I think too, the fact that Jesus has given us these really specific ways to remember him and to enter into him that aren't super spiritual. They're in the material elements of our world and our daily life, the things that we eat and the water that cleans us. And, and somehow he meets us in that, in that place and in those, in those things that he's asked us to do. It's not, we're not just fulfilling this commandment because he's asked us to do it. There's also, he keeps his promise of being with us until the end of the age, even in these ordinary things that we do. And, um, yeah, just the grace in that. I'm, I'm glad you, you mentioned that. I think it's worth lingering on. This is something I've been thinking a lot about lately. Christianity is not less than a belief system, but it is more than a belief system. Sometimes I think it's just all about ascending to certain facts or beliefs, but it's an embodied spirituality. When you think of all the different ways that Christians incorporate their body in their spiritual practice, the physical, the physical is affirmed in Scripture. It's not... Yeah. cursed in scripture it's a we're all made in the image of god the body is a temple in which the spirit dwells I, I actually think the early church got a little off track with too much asceticism i think there's a place for fasting i'm, I'm do it myself but I, I i think we get off track when we see the body as evil and the spirit is lofty that's more dualistic gnosticism i think than christianity and so things like water, like you were saying, like feeling the water going over your head, there is something about that experience that, that it's more than just a belief. I think it's a, well, I think students of culture and anthropology, uh, uh, even whether they're studying Christian religions or not, would say rituals are extremely important ways to solidify faith. And even to um, touch deep part of our parts of ourselves, even to like uh, awaken things in our unconscious that we're not even aware of, uh, rituals are very, very important. And baptism is one. Uh, and if we're embodied Christians, uh, our whole body needs to be involved in this posturing ourselves uh, with Jesus Christ. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Just in that, in baptism. It's not, we're not physically demonstrating what's happened to our soul. It's actually a moment where all of ourselves, the whole person, mm -hmm. the soul, the body is all being met with grace. And mm -hmm. God is interested in, in all of us, not just our soul. And then kind of mm -hmm. demonstrating that with our bodies, but bringing our whole selves into mm -hmm. the body of Christ and committing to his people and his mission in the world. What what I love about you know, you know we do it in the pool at the YMCA and we ask you 
to bring the people that have kind of been significant in your spiritual journey uh, with you. And they're actually uh, the ones that baptize you. Usually I will ask you several questions, um, affirming publicly what you're doing. Um, but the, your your people baptize you. And it, it's such a picture of, of grace because the actual sacrament, the actual act itself, you do nothing. Uh, we put our arms around you. We lower you beneath the water. The water washes you. We bring you back up again. You just receive it like yeah. grace. Yeah. That's great. So as a, as a church that sort of recognizes and practices infant baptism and believer's baptism, I think, I think a question that people can run into moving in between different traditions and different beliefs is, is one of, you know, when, I was, when I was a child, I was baptized in this particular church in this particular way. I'm at this point in my life and I understand it a little differently. Do I need to be baptized again? If I, if I want to be baptized again, can that actually even be done? Um, what would you, what would you say to someone who's just in the tension of sort of wanting to, wanting to take on and experience baptism, but has sort of these other questions behind it? Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because actually every year that's a question several people ask. Or another version of it is I was baptized when I was 15. I'm not sure it meant that much. Mm. Can I get baptized now? <laughs> I, th I think the first thing I want to say is um, you know, th this is not the IRS. There's not a rule book in my office. <laughs> um, this is between you and God, and it, it's you and the Spirit, and what the Spirit's leading you to do. I, I do want to underscore, though, I really do believe in infant baptism. I think that's a very valid way to read Scripture. And uh, let's remember that almost every believer up until the fifth, 15th century was baptized as an infant. So, And half the body of Christ today uh, baptizes as infants. So yeah. I think if you were baptized as an infant... Uh, it, it took, it counts. Uh, I, I don't want to diminish that in any way and don't think you need to be re-baptized. But if for some reason God has just really put it on your heart that this is something you want to do, let's get together and talk about that. Well, yeah, so what about, what about the rest of us? We've talked about baptism and a big part of it being belonging and this isn't this isn't sort of an individual thing this isn't something we do in mm. private tubs around the city we mm. do this we do this in a pool so that we can get a lot of people in the room and so what would you what would you say to someone who who's been baptized they've already they've already done the baptism thing why why is it important and why is it still a sacrament for for the rest of us to to show up and witness mm. it and and welcome someone into the body. I like the way you put that. I think it's a sacrament for the whole body, not just for the for the person. Um, again, I just think we live in this age where everything is so fragmented. Um, it, 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 we're just so disconnected. The ties that bind us just continue to dissolve. And this is a very important night 
in the life of our community where we are coming together and we are saying we are covenanting to help one another grow in the faith. And specifically, we're covenanting to help this person grow in the faith. And you might think, well, there's 300 people in our church and I don't know, Frank. Um, True, but I, but I would argue that you're still connected with them in Paul's metaphor of the body, that there's a way maybe one day you'll serve his child in Sunday school or greet him at the door or pray for him. I really think there's a spiritual connection with the community that you covenant with. Yeah. And so your presence matters at events like these. So it's important. Yeah, I think in that... We've talked about the the person being baptized, surrendering, and committing to a body. And I think there's the people who are who are there to witness it, and the people who are are already part of our body. We surrender ourselves, offer ourselves to them. And I think, on one level, to say the thing that the thing that you got in the water to say and to commit to, you can't do alone. And yeah. So we're all here for for that. We're here as resources and responsible for each other yeah. yeah and for each of us to remember that there aren't there aren't really multiple ways to to come into the church there's the one baptism that's, that's the way it's put in the creed and in the scriptures so there aren't any of us who came in a different way so as we watch people receive baptism we remember our own baptism and what it's meant and and whether we're still living living out of that baptism and learning all that Christ commands and holding each other up as we go. Well, that's everything you need to know about baptism. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. Again, come out and celebrate with us this Sunday, September 22nd, 5 p.m. in the Square Room. And then again the next week, September 29th, out at the Kanzler YMCA and Caswell Park. Bring some food, bring a chair to sit in, whatever else you need, and come party. We'd love to see you, and I hope to see you soon. 